You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Psalm 125 says this. Says those who trust in the Lord, everybody say trust, trust, are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. For then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evil doers. Peace be upon Israel. We're in a series right now called Psalms of Ascent. And the Israelites are on a journey, a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And these are a collection of songs that they would sing on their journey. Principles, edicts, songs, declaring the praise to the Lord. And this psalm right now is one that we are coining, pinning a lesson on trust. And I wonder, have you had a time or a moment in your life when you've trusted in something or someone and it's not worked out as you planned Lysandra and I went to London a month ago for my mother-in-law's special birthday. You don't tell people how old a lady is, do you? I've learned that, learned that the right way. Special birthday. And we're in London having a great time. It's awesome, good food, good family, good company. And everything's gone well, more or less. And we're about to catch the train home from London, Euston. Now, if you've been to London, Euston, you'll know it's the closest thing to literal hell on earth, London, Euston. It is crazy. It's busy. There's people everywhere. It's chaotic. And our train is delayed slightly, but we've got a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith. It's okay. And we sit there in London, Euston, as we watch the screen start to flash red, as all the trains are either delayed or canceled. How many people know that's a bad day at the office? So we're sitting there, we're killing time, we're waiting around. Our train to Manchester's delayed. The train to Manchester after our train's delayed. And the train to Manchester after our trains to Manchester. Trains to Manchester is delayed. All these people waiting around London, Euston, trying to get to Manchester. And then this angelic voice comes on the screen. The train to Manchester is now available. You know, that's my best English accent. I realized that I'd give up halfway through to save you all the secondhand embarrassment. The train to Manchester is back on. We look each other in the eyes. We think, happy days. We're going home. But three trains worth of people are all descending on this one train because those bandits won't wait for their train that they had booked on. They're coming to our train. So we see the the masses are flocking to this train. There's queues. Lysandre is at this time 34 weeks pregnant, there, thereabouts. And we're walking slow. We're trusting God that he'd part away in the sea in Jesus' name and we'd walk straight through. But that didn't happen. We got on the train eventually. It's jam-packed. Lysandre standing at the doors and I'm pushing my way down to my seat because my ticket 
has got our seats and our names on it. And you better believe my pregnant wife is sitting in that seat. Push past the crowd, push past the crowd. There's two people sitting in our seats. Politely say to them, hey guys, sorry, but you're in our seats. Now, this guy who was in the seat behind, it wasn't even his problem, chips up and says, the seats have been declassified. You can sit wherever you want. And I look to this guy in the eyes and I says, my wife is 34 weeks pregnant. She is sitting in this seat. They get up, they apologize, no problem. Start to bring Lysandre down the train. But this guy, he doesn't give it a rest. He says, no, 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 guys, don't get up. You can sit there. The first class is open. You could take your wife to go sit in first class. And I'm looking at him again saying, why are you getting involved, mate? It's all cordial. I look him in the eyes and says, mate, now you know it's good when you call someone mate who's not your mate. I said, mate, if first class is so good, why don't you get up and walk away to first class? He looks me in the eyes. He says nothing. Lysandre sits down. We're like, praise the Lord. And because I'm a gentleman, I get up and give my seat to another lady that was standing. Because that's what you do, gents. A time when the train line totally let us down on the journey. And you've had those moments too, where technology or people have completely let you down on the journey of life. It might be your sat-nav, your phone has just died on the journey, or the sat-nav has taken you to the wrong place, completely let you down. We've all had these times where we've been let down by people or by technology, but the danger for us today is that we can place our trust in all of the wrong things, all the wrong places, all the wrong people. But Psalm 125 tells us about a God in whom is reliable, is trustworthy, is committed, is consistent in who we can place our trust. I want to tell you four things today about the God in whom we can place our trust. The first thing is you can trust in who he is. You can trust in who he is. The Bible says this, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. We all put our trust and our confidence in lots of different things. For lots of us, it's objects. We Trust the microphone that it will stay on and will not turn off during my preach in Jesus' name. We trust in, keep no rich, keep it playing, we're good. We trust in the chairs that we sit on, that they will take our weight and won't collapse as we sit here. We trust in objects all the time. We trust in our iPads that they won't turn off mid-message and leave me scrambling for notes. We trust in objects, but objects by their nature corrode, need maintenance, eventually have an expiry date on them, so we can't fully place our trust in objects. But then we Rightfully so, put our trust in people. We trust our boss that they'll pay us on time. We trust our friends that they'll be faithful and show up when they've agreed to meet us. We trust our spouse that they'll be faithful. We trust our teachers to educate us. We put our trust in people, 
But people are all limited by time, by capacity, by scope, resources, and imagination. People are affected by emotions, outside influences, circumstances. They're affected by fallibility, sinful nature, mortality, and time span. But God is not affected by any of these. God is not limited. God is limitless. There are no ends or bounds to his ability and capability. In Job 23, verse 13 says, but he stands alone and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. Psalm 135, verse 6 says, the Lord does whatever ever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and in all their depths. God can do whatever, whenever, however. He made the world from dust. He can do whatever, whenever, however. He made the sun stand still in the sky. He can do whatever, whenever, however. He parted the waters so the Israelites, a million of them, could cross as if on dry land. He can do whatever, whenever, however. Jesus walked on water. He can do whatever. He can do it whenever. He can do it however. He was risen from the dead. He can do whatever, whenever, However, so if you could just trust God, He can do whatever, whenever, however, in your health, in your life, in your family, in your workplace, in your friendship group, if you'll just trust in who He is, because He's not a God who is limited. He is a God who is limitless. There are no limits to His ability to move in your life. He can do whatever. He can do it whenever, and He can do it however He wants, because He is a God to whom all things are possible. Trust in who He is. And you can trust in who He is because He's omnipotent, He's omniscient, and He's omnipresent. They're theological words. Omnipotent means He is all-powerful. He's great. In 1715, King Louis XIV has just died after 72 years of his reign. He was called King Louis the Great. He was called the Great, had a huge ego. And at his state funeral, he was lying in state in a golden coffin. And he commissioned that it would be so that there'd be one candle lit that would sit above the coffin to dramatize his greatness as thousands of mourners came to watch, to witness He was called the Great. Everybody knew him as King Louis the Great. But then Bishop Mazelon, who was doing his funeral, doing the service, bent down as he's beginning his speech, beginning his message, bent down over the candle and blew the candle out and said, only God is great. God is all-powerful. There is nothing beyond his ability to do in your life. You might think that your sickness is too much for him. He's great and he's all-powerful. You might think your family are so far from God. They're unreachable. He's great and he's all-powerful to move in your life. You might think that in your workplace, they're just so far from God. There's no way God could move. He's great and he is all-powerful to move in your workplace. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Luke says it like this. He knows every hair 
that is on your head. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are numbered. If God knows how many hairs there are on your head, then you bet your bottom dollar God knows exactly what's going on in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, and in your body. Those things that keep you up at night that you think he's not in on or interested in or not around about, he's there, he knows. And not only does he know because he's all powerful, he's able to move and act. God's omnipresent means he's everywhere all of the time. I love this quote from William Jennings Bryan. He was the United States Secretary of State in 1913. He says, I have observed the power of the watermelon seed. It has the power of drawing from the ground and through itself 200,000 times its weight. When you can tell me how it takes this material and out of it colors an outside surface beyond the imitation of art and then forms inside of it a white rind and within that again a red heart thickly inlaid with black seeds, each one in turn capable of drawing through itself 200,000 times its weight. When you can explain to me the mystery of a watermelon, you can explain to me the mystery of God. God is in the intricate detail of the watermelon seed. He is there. And if God is there, He is in the intricate detail of your life. He's not left you, abandoned you, forsaken you, left you alone. You're not walking through this valley isolated and lonely. If nobody else is with you, you can be assured that the God of the universe, the God of heaven is present in your life and in your circumstance and in your situation. So you can trust in who he is. Second thing is you can trust in what he has done. You can trust in what he has done. Verse 2 says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. Wherever the pilgrim looked on the journey up to Jerusalem, they were surrounded by the mountains. Mountains, everywhere they looked, they could see the mountains. The mountains, a sign of what God had done in creation in the past. His plan from the beginning in the creation narrative and story. The mountains that have stood the test of time, that they could be reminded on their journey that God is faithful to his track record. We all have good track records and bad track records, don't we? I'm going to brag a little bit for a moment. I've got some good track records. Do you want to hear them? Almost every day for the last four years, I have woken up and made my wife a cup of tea. Red bush tea with a little dash of milk. Sometimes with a little teaspoon of honey. Sometimes with I. Almost every day for the last for you. It's a pretty good track record, isn't it? I've got another good track record. Do you want to hear it? I used to be a hockey goalkeeper. Not the cool hockey that's on ice, the hockey that's on the field, on the grass. I was a hockey goalkeeper. And I have never lost a penalty shootout while playing field hockey. Tournaments, competitions, I've never lost. That's a pretty good track record. But I've got some bad track records too. My gardening track record is less to be admired, isn't it? 
had a guy around at the weekend looking at doing some stuff on the patio and me being me asked Lisandri to ask him if he could quote for cutting the grass. Such is my track record of gardening. My track record of picking up the dog poo outside in said garden is also not something I would write a book on. It's not a great track record, is it? My track record at the minute at the gym is not so great. I started the year four or five times a week doing really good, and at the minute it's once, twice at best. Not a great track. We all have track records, don't we? And God has a track record that isn't inconsistent like mine, but God's track record is consistent. God's track record is that he is faithful. God's track record that he brings things to completion. God's track record is one that he provides. God's track record is one that he brings miracles. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Like the mountains surrounding Jerusalem, you are surrounded by his works in his track record of what he has done. You can trust him because he isn't faithless, he is faithful and he is true to his promises. Think back over your life on the track record of God. I sat with someone recently and we done a count your blessings list of the last three months. The times where God has provided, the times where God has made the way, the times where God has come through. And we look at that in the last three months of this year and we can say, if God's done this so far, then what I'm believing for tomorrow, he is able to do. What is the track record of God in your life? Because if he's done it yesterday, he can do it today. And if he does it today, he can do it tomorrow. And if he can do it tomorrow, you know the story. God is faithful to his track record. So whatever you're believing for, look back on your life and see the faithfulness of God, because if he was faithful then, he will absolutely be faithful tomorrow. Trust in what he has done. The third thing is you can trust in what his word says. You can trust in his word. You can trust in his word. Psalm 125 verse 3 says, The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. On this journey of life, it is inevitable at different points. We will go through challenges. We will go through struggle. We will go through obstacles. We will go through the fire. But his word says we will not remain there, not remaining in the trial, not remaining in the challenge, not remaining in the prison. John says in John 16, 33, Jesus speaking, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's good news for a Sunday morning, isn't it? In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. But take heart. Troubles you're going through right now, take heart. For Jesus speaking says, for I have overcome the world. In the struggles of life, we need to trust him at his word. Luke 137 says, for no word from God will ever fail. Isaiah 55 verse 11 So is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Trust is our response to what the Lord says. Noah got a word, build an ark. He had never built an ark. 
he had never seen rain, but gets a word from God to build an ark, and he trusts God at his word. Scholars debate the time frame, but between 80 and 120 years later, it rained. Can you imagine holding on to a word from God for 80 years, for 120 years? It would be easy to say, God, the time has elapsed. It says, my, my watch just doesn't have the time for this miracle anymore. It's not on my time scale. It's not right now. It's not when I want it. But Noah stayed faithful to the word of God, built the ark, and played his part in the promise because he trusted in the word. And some of you have been waiting on a promise for 80 years, for 60 years, for 40 years, for 20 years. Keep building the ark because when you trust him at his word, it might just be that tomorrow it starts to rain and you get on the ark two by two and start to access and step into the promise of God. Trust him at his word. God says to Moses, cross the vast sea, but there was no bridge. It was all water. So Moses trusts God at his word and crosses the Red Sea. Jesus says to Peter, come walk on water. Peter hadn't walked on water before. He didn't have the scuba diving gear on. He didn't know what he was doing, but he trusted the word of God, stepped out onto the water, and now we tell the story 2,000 years later. When you trust God at his word, people will tell stories of your act of faith hundreds, thousands of years from now if we're still here and Jesus hasn't come back. You write a legacy by trusting God at his word. He is faithful to his word. Whatever he's spoken today at Audacious Church, he is faithful to complete it. He is faithful on his promise. He is true to what he has spoken over your life. You can trust him at his word. What is it today? God is speaking to you. Trust him at his word. And the last thing is this, trust in what he will do. Trust in what he will do. Verse four says, do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good. Problem is, if we're honest in trusting God, is the how and when rarely meets our expectations, rarely comes packaged the way we want it to, rarely comes arriving on the doorstep with its bows, with its bells, with its whistles in exactly the way that we want it to. We want things done in our timing and in our way. But today, church, we have to trust in his timing. He knows the beginning from the end. He's numbered the very hairs on our head. He was there at the creation of the world before even time itself began. And God's speaking here. The people cry out to the Lord, do good, O Lord, to those who are good, because doing good is what he specializes in. He works all things together for good, my Bible says, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God responds to us when we trust him. He responds with his goodness, with his kindness, with his grace, with his provision, with miracles. And your level of peace is directly correlated to your level of trust. Your level of peace is directly correlated to your level of trust. The promise doesn't come gift-wrapped, but it does come God-wrapped. There are promises in your life, good things that God has in store. And they rarely come like you'd expect them or like them to. But it all comes down to trust. 
God, I don't know what the journey looks like, but I know who's in control on the journey. Do you ever wonder how it was easy for Jesus to sleep on the boat with the storm raging? Storm, it's chaotic, it's crazy. The disciples are crying out like they're gonna die. And I know they're quite dramatic. We read that in the Bible, but they literally thought they were gonna die. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. You can sleep in the storm when you know who's at the helm of the ship. Jesus knew that he was held in the hands of Father God, that even though the storm was raging around him, he could sleep in peace. He could sleep in peace because he trusted God. If you need peace today, it's available, but you've got to sprinkle on the ingredient called trust. If you're looking for peace in your sleep, in your life, in your workplace, in your health, in your thought life, it comes at the price of trust. The Bible goes on to say a practical thing and how you do that is take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. There are thoughts today raging around in your mind and in your world and in your life. Are they thoughts of trust or are they thoughts of fear? Are they thoughts of he won't do it or thoughts of he can do it? Are they thoughts of I've been abandoned, isolated, left and let down? Or are they thoughts of he's never left me, never forsaken me and nor will he trust in what he will do? We've got to implement trust in our lives if we want to live in his peace. So what's your default today? Is your default fear? Is your default worry? Is your default stress? Or is your default trust? Across this room today, we're all believing for lots of different things. We're all in lots of different stages and places of our life. The one thing that applies to us all is God speaking to us today from Psalm 125 is trust Him. God's not limited, He's limitless. He's not faithless, He's faithful. Will you trust Him today? Trust Him at His word, trust Him at what He says, trust at what He has done, and trust at what He will do. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 